Hello, this is Tom Pasello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast, sponsored by sales enablement platform provider, Mediafly. Our mission is to provide you with the independent insights, community advice, and tools to guide your sales enablement, content, and value enablement journeys and fuel your professional evolution. My guest today is John Ross. He is the Director of ServiceNow Solutions for spend management platform provider, SACOM. Prior to this, John has been uh, SVP for sales for access information management and also Trillium software. And he was a business unit executive for IBM's commerce solutions. Evolvers, please welcome John Ross. Hi, Tom, pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about SACON first for those who don't know too much about them and what your role is for SACON. Sure, absolutely. So SACON, as you mentioned, is in the spend management business. So when that company and that industry started 20, 20 something years ago, it was very much about, frankly, long distance billing and those kinds of things. Uh, as that industry has morphed, SACON has morphed as well. And we've expanded into obviously things like mobile phones and helping people manage their inventory and their spend and whether they're getting the right contract amounts and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, clearly that, that industry we're all aware of, but there's actually quite an explosion in uh, a couple of other things that you're aware of, like IoT devices, right? So network connected IoT devices present the same kind of challenges as mobile phones and uh, remote patient monitoring, the, the whole telehealth and, and people wearing various monitors and things at home, again, presents all kinds of challenges for everyone involved in that. So um, my role, one of those things that's fairly new to us, but we do very well, uh, involves a partnership with ServiceNow. Uh, and my responsibility is, is help promoting ServiceNow, the ServiceNow solutions. Awesome. Now, I know that you haven't been at SACON too long, right? Is it less than right. a year? It is less than a year. Yeah. And there were definitely some challenges and mission, you know, that you had set up pretty early on to help boost sales with particularly your ServiceNow relationship, but beyond that, right, with other partners and strategic accounts. Tell us about those challenges. Yeah. So, so the challenge is a couple of challenges. One, um, the way I described the company, you can see we've morphed and grown and, and we are extremely well known in our sort of core space in our core offerings. But as we work to transform um, the industry and move into a broader set of capabilities, we needed to be able to communicate a broader message um, in simple terms. You know, we have more products to sell now. We needed to be able to educate uh, the audience on the broader suite of things that we we can do um, regardless of industry and regardless of whether it was a customer or a prospect or a partner. Um, so we really, we really were struggling with communicating the right message with the right content to the right audience at the right time, frankly. And, and we figured that out pretty quickly. Yeah. So one of the things you did was you helped to procure and implement a sales and partner enablement solution. Talk about that a little bit, what that selection process was like and kind of what some of the things were that you looked for in the uh, in partner that you picked. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we did a fairly exhaustive search. Um, we didn't put it on an RFP. We just dealt more directly 
um, with the teams and going into it, we, I think we did a fairly good job of articulating before we even engaged anyone, um, articulating to ourselves what our needs were, right? So what our ultimate objective was, um, or what our ultimate objectives were based on the kind of teams we were trying to engage with. So in other words, we broke the world of, of enablement, revenue enablement into big chunks, right? So we have partners, we have direct sellers, we have existing customers, we have prospects, right? So um, we sort of took stock of, of what we had and what we needed and how we wanted to communicate with those folks. And then we went to look for somebody who we thought could help us do that the best. Um, and, and frankly, there's, there's a fair amount of overlap in the sales enablement platform space, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you can say content management is content management. And then there, there are sort of nuances to each of the platforms we found. And the thing for us, we, we went with Mediafly. And um, the reason we did that, there are two things they offered that we found to be very unique. Um, one was the Presentify solution. So if you're going to go invest this time and energy in, uh, in, in the content that you're going to deliver, to folks and you need to have good content and uh, Mediafly with the Presentify capabilities was really fantastic. Uh, and then the other one is um, Value Story. So we, we're in a business and in an industry that's very ROI intensive uh, mm -hmm. and, and having an integrated tool um, to work alongside all the other things we we're trying to do. Uh, Mediafly for us really stood out. So the value story is there to help you better kind of articulate and quantify value for prospects, right? And I, I think I remember you saying it was something that the company actually was really good at doing back in the long distance billing days, but it kind of lost that muscle um, as maybe they got a little spoiled with how easy things were to sell there for a while. And yeah. when things tightened up, you had to get back to being able to really clearly articulate and quantify the unique value. Yeah, exactly. It was the classic. We used to do this all the time and it was really great, right? It's like a Yogi Berra line. Uh, but yeah, we needed, we felt like being able to articulate a really solid and professional looking ROI would really help differentiate us. Um, think of it as, you know, we were doing Excel spreadsheets, right? And we all know now in this day and age, we all want to see something better than that. Absolutely. And then on the Presentify side, that's really interactive content, interactive presentations. Talk about what you're doing there to make the content kind of come to life, which definitely in this digital selling world we're in, you almost have to do. Oh, for sure. And we, we've only scratched the surface. I think, as you know, we've, we've only been with Mediafly for about six months, maybe a little less. Um, so you know, for us, step one was uh, how do we how do we leverage the fact that all this content's going to be together mm -hmm. and we're going to enable folks to come in like they're grocery shopping and just grab grab items off the shelf and put them into an email or a workspace or something and share them off um, made us realize pretty quickly well if we have five different formats then uh, <laughs> our, our shopping cart's going to look a little odd so um, we started with having asking the presentify team to leverage your expertise to help us build sort of the corporate master template, right? And then it's just a matter of carving it up into the various pieces you need, putting the industry spins and those kinds of things. Um, so the Presentify team was really great at letting, you know, helping us put a line in the sand and say, this is who we are and this is what we look like. 
Yeah. And as you said, as you start to share content with customers and if the presentations don't look professional or they look different, depending yeah. on which deck you're grabbing or which piece of content you're grabbing, that's definitely an issue from a compliance standpoint. One of the things I love about Presentify is the ability to make the content really come to life, much more interactive, and then also making it to where you can pivot very quickly or the customer, if they're navigating themselves, can kind of create their own journey through the content. You don't have to go linearly through a big deck or linearly through a big white paper. There's hotspots and little navigation elements that kind of let you jump automatically to it. But I don't think you've taken advantage of that yet, right? No, and I can't wait. It's um, I'm a huge fan of storytelling um, mm -hmm. and, and to allow somebody to sort of read the book at their own pace, um, but know what the chapters are and being able to really spice those decks up uh, into more interactive, engaging kind of experience. By the way, with frankly, with, you know, very basic nascent PowerPoint skills, you can take a template that, that the team builds and, you know, customize it for your use case, whatever you can make. We all have sellers that they're all over the spectrum when it comes to how engaged they are in the technology. And you can make the one who's the least engaged in the technology really, you know, shine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now you mentioned quickly workspaces. I know that this is one of the key features that you've been able to take advantage of. What the heck is a workspace? <laughs> and how are you using it? Yeah, no, absolutely. It is, um, I think of it as a curated insight-filled landing page, right? So when I first sort of brought this concept forward, it was around workspaces that I was most enthusiastic. Because if you go back to the top and how I described the company, I have a known captured audience that I can get to engage with me, right? Maybe not, maybe not on the phone, maybe they want to do it at their own pace, but for me to be able to introduce in a constant steady state, all the new and exciting things that are happening at Saycon uh, and, and give somebody a reason to want to come back and learn more about what we're doing, give us an opportunity to demonstrate sort of industry knowledge, you know, stuff beyond selling our product. Um, it was, I was just so taken by not only the, the capability that you can do that and you could, the content that you deliver is easy to curate. So you can, a seller, a sales engineer, um, uh, an executive, they can very easily pick the content that they want to use for the purposes that they're using it and present it in a very professional way. And, and the other suspicion I had that's been completely validated is for those customers, prospects, partners, um, whoever it happens to be, that choose to engage and, and really adopt the workspace as a way of collaborating, we're starting to get feedback, feedback coming back that I just really love where, where prospects are saying, hey, this is really cool, right? This is, this is awesome. This makes it so much easier for me. Now I'm adding words to, to make it simple, but so much easier for me as your champion to communicate about SACON to other people on the buying committee. I mean, they don't say those words, but that's what they're saying. That's absolutely music to my ears. And in fact, we just last week closed the first deal that started from the moment, our very first meeting, um, everything was prepared, delivered, presented, and shared in a workspace in, um, in MediaFly. We just closed that last week. 
Awesome. So the use case is you've got a customer as an example or a strategic account, and you've got content that's in the content management system. You can quickly curate that content. You can put it in a personalized, customized portal for the customer and then share that portal with them. And it basically becomes kind of a buying hub, right? To keep them engaged and to differentiate the experience they're having with you. So you have all the content kind of in one spot that they can go to, and then they can share that internally to all the different stakeholders within the organization. And then you can track it, right? So you know whether that customer is really engaged, who they're sharing it with, how often they're consuming it, exactly where they're navigating to within PowerPoints or proposals or documents. Talk about that a little bit. It's uh, it's really fantastic. So, um, I know we don't have a lot of time, so I'll, I'll sort of put our use cases in big buckets. So I'm going to use ABM, even though it's a catch-all term, to mean targeted prospects, so mm -hmm. not existing customers. Interestingly, the, the folks we haven't really engaged yet with workspaces are existing customers because we're trying okay. to figure out exactly what kind of content would be the most relevant. So it's targeted prospects, right? So we're list-driven. It's partners. Um and it's in-flight deals. And then I, so uh, it's either someone who doesn't know us, this is the first time they're gonna see us, someone who's a partner and our partners may have multiple salespeople, for example, who turn over quite often. So you know, doing a monthly who is SACON session could be irrelevant in three months, right? Because all the people who are in that session could be gone. So um, the partner thing is a big deal. And then also in-flight deals is a great way to, store the communication that we're having with them, you know, we can put it in there, but the real magic is being able to, so that's really fantastic, but being able to then track to your point, who's looking or who's not looking mm -hmm. um, and what they're looking at. We don't call people back and say, Hey, we noticed you lingered on page five for eight minutes and 26 seconds. Cause that's just a little creepy, but um, we've had, We've had two cases that I think are really fantastic. One, the deal we just won, uh, after the first day we shared the, the workspace with them, they stopped looking at it for about 10 days. And they reached out to the seller and asked him to do something. And he pushed back and said, I'm not, you guys really committed to this, right? And all, he, he was playing a poker game, and he, but he knew they hadn't really looked at stuff. And they apologized profusely. They had this, that, the other thing. And we ended up winning the deal, right? And then on another one, um, similar situation and, and he called their bluff and they basically said, yeah, we're doing an RFP. We're probably going to renew. So that saves us hours and hours of time, right? Company-wide. So those insights and being able to then determine the best way to, you know, the next best action, regardless of the use case, um, those insights can be hugely impactful in those next best actions. Yeah. I love the fact that like, a deal could go quiet for a while just because they're busy, they're doing other things. And then they'll look at your proposal again, or they'll look at the workspace and you know, they're engaged. And so yeah. that later that day, maybe you, you send them an email, Hey, was just thinking about you or, exactly. you know, the day after, Hey, you know, can I arm you with anything else? Or here's a document. Cause you know, they were focused on one solution. Here's some other documents that might help you in your research. And it's almost like, you know, you're reading their mind, but you're informed. It's informed follow-up and it's timely because you know what they're doing or not doing. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But like you said, you got to be careful with it because it could 
seem a little creepy. <laughs> it, it could, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, and that's part of it is, is understanding just because those numbers are there. And I guess this is a learning, right? Just because those numbers are there, you can't assume that people are interpreting the activity or lack of activity um, the same way, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody might be okay and say, yeah, they haven't looked at it for three weeks, but that's okay. Somebody else might say they haven't looked at it for three weeks. We got an issue, right? They're ghosting us. So, you know, part of the learning in this whole process is having all this knowledge is one thing. I think part of the secret sauce is understanding how you communicate throughout your organization, what you do with that knowledge and insight. What I also love for the partners, and I've had this challenge before with partners is, you know, you want to stay top of mind. And like you said, you might present to them quarterly or do a quarterly business review with them. But what happens all that time in between where they yeah. might have a deal, right? That's, yeah. that's come top of mind. So talk about how you kind of have continuous engagement through the workspace. Yeah. So I, that's a, so we're actually working with the other thing that Presentify team can do is help us really uh, dress up the workspaces um, to make them more of a private sort of experience. But the partner, the partner piece is a big deal for us, given the percentage of our um, revenue that comes from an indirect channel. What's really awesome is we can design it in such a way that there, there's going to be content there that they're going to want to come back to on a regular mm -hmm. basis, right? If it's just about our product, that's okay. I'll go there when I need it. Um, if we can give them easily, you know, fresh updates on industry insights or, you know, almost like a, a, a little sort of mini news feed, if you will, um, there's more reason for them to come back there. And the more they come back there, the way we're structuring them is we are assuming that the, the person reading it is, you know, a, a seller, right? At simple terms. So helping them understand, hey, this is the market space we're in, right? It all organized really beautifully. This is the space we're in. These are the, the personas and the target companies who, who could benefit from our solutions. And then there's a getting started section. So here's email templates. Here's, you know, first call decks, those kinds of things. And again, we can see who's engaging, right? But to your point, they can go there whenever they need to. Um, and, and we can see who's engaging or not engaging, which is great. Now, have you set up workspaces? You've got a pretty broad product line now. It's definitely expanded a lot. Do you have workspaces like for each one of the solutions as well? Have you used it for that? Not as, not as landing pages. We've done things like, um, so for some of the partner workspaces, for example, we may have folders based like a product section where we have curated folders for that particular partner based on the products they're selling. So again, when they go there, it's the, it's the things, it's the content that matters to them, right? But we haven't done product pages for per se. Yeah, the other uh, use cases would be kind of product-centric pages so you can promote the latest news on the products. And, and then another one that I've seen workspaces used for really well is kind of um, uh, playbooks to actually have playbooks represented within a workspace. So you have each step in the play kind of represented with a content and a drill down and everything else in it. 
So I made the mistake of suggesting sales plays in uh, Mediafly, and I literally have a three-page note of suggestions from my boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is, sounds like that may be one of your top priorities for next year. Yeah, exactly. But it's definitely uh, the beauty of the challenge we all have with sales plays is, you know, marketing's making all this great stuff and product and salespeople can't find it and all that stuff, right? And again, putting it all in one place. I, and we're, we're already quickly learning the importance of the archive, right? So there are things we did six months ago that are meant to be revisited once a year. Now, basically everything we want to do with that is, uh, with that campaign is in a kit, right? Because it's mm -hmm. on a folder right there. I love it. Love yeah. the ability to kit stuff up like that. Make yeah. it, like I said, there's so much content, so much gets thrown at salespeople all the time. Um, you know, content gets developed kind of by the pound yeah. out of marketing sometimes, right? Yeah. And we we can easily overwhelm the sellers. And I think one of the beauties of this is kind of keeping it simple, which gets me to the challenges. What what were some of the biggest challenges you faced in in rolling this out, John? I'm sure it wasn't wasn't easy. So um, where did where were some of the spots where you maybe stubbed your toe? Uh, if you could do it all over again, thing. So we'll, we'll just table the adoption one up front because adoption is something anyone who's does what we do for a living deals with user adoption and mm -hmm. the challenges of that. So we'll put that aside, right? Um, we took all, when we, when we put the platform in, one of the first things we did was went on this massive Easter egg hunt to go find all the content we had in the company and put it in there and tag it and, then pretty quickly realize, wait, this is all different formats and fonts. And we're presenting it as, you know, this, this whole big simply used tool and it's actually set up for failure. So, um, you know, one of the biggest, and again, the balancing act was, it was a semi-conscious decision um, because we wanted to use the platform, right? Yeah. So we could have said, oh, let's clean up all our content for the next 18 months and then go use it, which obviously doesn't make sense. Um, but one of the biggest challenges was um, simplification, meaning, okay, let's make it really simple for people to actually do these things on their own without, um, without needing help every time. And that's a challenge on the content front and just on the how to use the system, right? And then when you, when you layer in the other parts of the tech stack that are in the ecosystem, right, where you have, you, know, you have people who spend their day in Salesforce. You have people who spend their day in Salesloft, right? You have mm -hmm. people who spend their day in Outlook. Um, anytime I write up instructions, I have uh, and share it with the team, I go out of my way to say, if you are, you know, this is how you do it, then here's how you do it, right? Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's and, I, and I accept that battle because I'd rather, you're not gonna get people to follow one way, right? And I don't want them to. I want them to yeah. do do it their way. Yeah, do it where they're living in, in terms of the integration with the tech stack. So there's certainly a technical integration, but there's a, you know, make sure you're giving instructions. So if they're living in Salesforce, they know how to do it. If they're living in Outlook, they know how to take advantage of the yeah. this other system. I love that. Simplification, totally agree. Sellers are overloaded, overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, the more you can simplify everything it is that they're doing, how to find the content, these pre-built kits are wonderful, how you organize that content is important. And I love what you said about the content reconciliation where, you know, it really, you probably had 
missing pieces of content. You probably had too much content in certain areas. And then the format of the content was kind of all over the place. Um, but you didn't wait. Um, we've seen a lot of companies say, no, we got to get all our content right first. And then second, then we'll get it all in one spot and make it easy. And I love how you tackled kind of both. You didn't wait for that content reconciliation. You used this as kind of a catalyst for it, but you did both at the same time. I, I felt like they both things had to come, right? So you had to you had to get the content in there and you have to get it rolled out, right? And get people mm -hmm. using it. And it just felt like doing that in parallel was gonna be, because really at the end of the day, both of those things are never ending pursuits. Yeah. So let's just, you know, it's like when you look at the track and the lines on the oval track don't line up, they're a little offset. You still gotta go the same distance, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody shoot the gun, let's just go do it. You just take on a little bit more burden as the sort of central administrator in that you say, be careful because this deck and that deck, right? Yeah, when so you're putting you this in a workspace and that in a workspace, another thing in a workspace, it could even look like it was from three different companies, but yeah. they're in the workspace and people can leverage it. Yeah, so so the, you, you take that on as part of the sort of rollout and deployment that we got to put these caveats around things for a little while, right? Yeah. Yeah, love it. Um, top priorities, we're going into 2022. Um, what are some of the top things that you've got on your list? One of them we mentioned, sales playbooks. Sounds like that's been bubbled up. Yeah, so so I would say, so the content stuff, like I said, you get that inventory sort of reconciliation and, and standardization that, that will always, that's ever present. Um, top priorities are we, we've done everything out of the box like pretty much with no customization that's a bad word because it makes it sound like it's heavy there's a lot more we can do to make things look prettier and more personalized in in the platform um so again we jumped out of the gate and started running down the hill with just a plain white background for example right which is absolutely perfectly fine mm -hmm. um and just want to dress it up a little bit so that's one thing we the uh taking advantage of the ROI capabilities mm -hmm. sort of fell to the back burner as we rolled everything out. So that will, um, will definitely move into prominence. And the third biggest thing for me is uh, the so what stuff. So now that we can see who's interacting with us and how, it's, it's easy and cliche to say, it'll help determine the next best action. It's another thing to sit down and articulate you know, the if-then statements. If we see yeah. this or we don't see that, how do we as an organization, like how do we react and adopt to that, right? So we've got all this great insight now. What do we do with it? Love that. And it sounds like you still have a little bit of work on the strategic account workspaces too, right? Yeah, we do for sure. Yep. Yeah. But that'll be good because expand selling is really hot right now to try to get more business from existing accounts and just build the relationships and partnerships with them. So I think the workspaces, once you get them going there, John, they're going to have a big impact on the biz. I think you're right, Tom. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave the Evolvers community with today, John? Oh boy, that could go in so many directions. Um, I would say get started. Uh, and you didn't pay me to say that. I would say get started. Like I said, at the end of the day, there, there are multiple parallel paths from, from how humans, you know, how the humans are impacted, um, how the, the tech stack's impacted, how the content's impacted. I think when you start like anything, 
putting it all on the table and you know sorting out the barrel of monkeys picking up those rocks you start realizing there's other stuff so my biggest piece of advice is get going right and then just be be really clear about who owns what but just get going because these these paths are parallel yeah john i love that advice um one of the best to talk about this is the founder of netflix and you know you said you know when you think about it what did netflix start as it certainly didn't start as a, as the leading yeah. streaming service, right? Yeah. It started as you know basically a uh, kind of mail order blockbuster. Yeah, and they started selling DVDs, and they actually dumped that business because they saw the Amazon freight train coming at them. But his advice is: look, you know the, what you start out with is not going to be right, yeah. flat out. It's going to be wrong. Yeah. How do you know what's right or wrong until you start doing it? And once you do it, you'll continually, you know, get rid of the things, shed what's not working, optimize the things that are and iterate, 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 fail often and quickly towards success. So basically fall towards success. And I I love that advice. And it sounds like you've got similar advice for the Evolvers audience. Yeah, no, absolutely. The other thing is, the other thing you get from getting going, Tom, and I agree with everything you said is you start getting other opinions. Um, so you, you can lay this all out. You think it's good. It's all perfect. And then, you know, walk to the water cooler and somebody will say, hey, you know, it would be great. And you think, oh my good God, that's fantastic, right? Yeah. Um, so getting getting more people in the boat who are actually frontlining it um, is hugely valuable. And you don't get that if you don't start. Awesome. John, how can people reach out to you? Uh, so you just look me up on LinkedIn. It's uh, John Ross and it's at SACON and, and uh, by all means, anybody drop me a note. Um, love to love to share anything I've learned and love to learn something from you as well. John, thanks so much for joining and participating with us today at the Evolvers community, making it a great and growing uh, collaboration. So we really appreciate your advice and all of the learnings. Great. Thanks, Tom. Good luck, everyone. Thank you. Until next time, Evolvers, keep evolving. <laughs>